Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Turn to 1 Kings 19, starting a new series. You remain standing if you would. If you're not able to stand, stand up on the inside, 1 Kings 19. You're going to read 11 through 21. In the message version, and I have a, I think it's my monitors are hot and I'm standing in front of them. I know some sort of a ring, a little ring back there. Appreciate all our tech people. It's the monitors for sure. Okay. You're like, well, we can't tell if you're going to be down on the floor or up top. I know I can't tell either. Welcome to Kings. We're glad you're here. Okay, are you ready? Let's go. Uh, 1 Kings 19, find verse 11. And uh, I'm going to read in the message version. They are going to put it on the screen, I believe. There we go. That's Elijah right there. All right, let's read. Ready? When Elijah heard the quiet voice, now go 11, not verse 13. Go back to 11. If you don't have it, I'll read it. All right, I'll read it. Then he was told, go and stand on the mountain at attention before God. God will pass by. A hurricane wind ripped through the mountains and shattered the rocks before God, but God wasn't found in the wind. After the wind, an earthquake, but God wasn't found in the earthquake. After the earthquake, fire, but God wasn't found in the fire. After the fire, a gentle, quiet whisper. When Elijah heard the quiet voice, he muffled his face in his great cloak. Would you say that? He muffled his face in his great cloak and went to the mouth of the cave and stood there. A quiet voice asked, so Elijah, now tell me, what are you doing here? Bump your neighbor and say, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Elijah said it again. I've been working my heart out for God, the God of angel armies, because the people of Israel have abandoned your covenant, destroyed your places of worship, and murdered your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me. Verse 15, God said, go back the way you came through the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazalil, make him king over Aram. Then anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, make him king over Israel. Finally, anoint Elisha, the son of Sephat, to secede you as prophet. Anyone who escapes death by Hazel will be killed by Jehu. Anyone who escapes death by Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Meanwhile, I'm preserving for myself 7,000 souls, the knees who haven't bowed to the God of Baal. And the mouths that haven't kissed his image. Verse 19, Elijah went straight out and found Elisha, the son of Sephat, in a field where there were 12 pair of a yoke of oxen at work plowing. Elijah was in charge of the 12th pair. And Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak over him. Two more verses. And Elijah deserted the ox and ran after Elijah and said, please let me kiss my father and mother goodbye and then I'll follow you. Go ahead, he said, he said, Elijah. But mind you, don't forget, 
what I've just done to you. So Elijah left him and took his yoke of oxen, butchered them, made a fire with the plow and the tackle, and then boiled the meat, a true farewell meal for the family. Then he left and followed Elijah, becoming his right-hand man. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Move in power now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. We do have some notes. The message version is paraphrased, but it's interesting. I can't say that I like it better than other versions, but it's interesting to read along with other versions. There are good versions of the Bible. There are bad versions of the Bible. There are versions that should be burned, really, because they've been manipulated by man. And if you read the book of Revelation, you'll see that anyone who takes away from the word, God will take his name away from from uh, from from life, he'll remove his name from the the book of life. And if anyone adds to the words of that book, this book, then God will add to him all the plagues. So you don't want to leave anything out, and you certainly don't want to manipulate it. In actual fact, if you study a little bit, and having run into uh, a Jehovah's Witness, the most passionate, educated. Jehovah's Witness that I've ever talked to, if you run into them, they are very sincere, well-meaning, but their Bible has been changed. It's not a Bible at all. In the case of the Jehovah's Witnesses, it's the, um, the New World Translation. It's interesting that all those that manipulated the New World Translation to fit their theology, especially John 1, chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. They changed that to say, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. Ego a me. They changed the Greek. They changed it because they don't see Jesus as God. And they will teach you that Jesus is not God. Some other well-meaning, deeply uh, sincere and um, deluded uh, Mormons also will basically tell you that Jesus and Satan are brothers. Now, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm just telling you, you need to know doctrine. You need to know truth. And you say, well, I'm come from a long line of Mormons. Well, I'm, I'm that, that way. I know some Mormons that are better Christians than some Christians I know. And even though they have not understood theology maybe the way we have and have changed scripture. If you look at the history of those who manipulated the Book of Mormon and changed scripture, and you look at the, the history of the New World Translation and those who manipulated that to change that, they're all dead. Well, that, of course, pastor, they're all dead because that was a long time ago. No, 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 not that kind of dead. I mean the kind of dead where they have no offspring, no relatives, and no one in their family exists anymore. That kind of dead. The kind of dead where there are, no, and there are no more carrying on their lineage. Their lineage is gone. And that is an interesting fact. We ought to have somebody come and do an apologetics class at some point. Apologetics is the, the defenders of the faith. And having just met someone who is so passionate and uh, just argued wonderfully, an influential person, and uh, I knew he was an influential person, so I, I went and introduced myself because I hoped that maybe we could connect and make a difference for the kingdom of God. So we'll have to have another meeting because I didn't win him over. So 
I figured out after a while, you're a Jehovah's Witness then, right? Of course I am. Of course I'm a Jehovah's Witness. All right. This text is uh, so very profound. And the message version here says this great cloak. He wrapped his face, he muffled his face in a great cloak. No other versions say mantle, the, the Septuagint. How many of you know what the Septuagint is? Septuagint is a Greek translation of the Hebrew scriptures. The Septuagint uses a word called adareth, adareth. Uh, it's also called stole is, a, is, a, is another word. How many of you ever had a grandma that had a stole? She would wear a stole, like a, something over her shoulders, you know, and then when it was cold, she'd cover up maybe and pull it together a little bit. That, that's, that's the word, and that is the word for cloak also, great cloak or mantle. So I'm starting a series, and in all honesty, I gave it a cute title because I've discovered in the thousands of messages that we've preached that if it has a cute title that's catchy, then millennials will listen, and, and uh, it just, it's just true. So maybe the cloak of glory will pull some people in. I don't know. Either that or it'll repel some people. Let me ask you this question. Uh, who are you? Now, if I was to ask my beloved doctor in the back, who are you? How would you answer that question? Well, I am, and you might say your name, I am Daniel Bracken. That, that's your name, but I mean, who are you? Who are you? Most people don't really know who they are. And as we move into this, this message, can you put up for me, please, it's impromptu, put up for me, please, the decree from Jane Hammond. Could use this, could use this really as, a, as a, a whole series to go through it, but we decree today we're crossing over into our new season of breakthrough here at King's. We receive a new mantle for a new day. I'm just going to stop there. When I read that, I was riveted by the Lord because I sense that. I, I, I feel it. I, I, I sense it. I feel it in the spirit and I feel it in my emotions. I know that something is new has come on us since moving into this place. And prophetess Jane Hammond called it a new mantle. I'm going to call it a coat of glory. With something new on it. Come on, how many of you need something new? How many, how many of you, when you remember when you got a new coat, it's like, I'm a new coat. You need a new coat in the spirit. And so I want to talk about that because that's what happens here, certainly for Elisha. And if you don't know who you are, this whole picture of identity is here and, the, and a whole picture of purpose and calling is expressed in this text. And if you don't know who you are, you see, you're not so much your name. That, that, that helps us identify who you are. But really, who you are is what you believe. And I see myself not as the sum total of my past. Thank God. I see myself as a new creation. I see myself as a man of God. I see myself as someone who's been brought from death to life. I see myself as someone who walks with God, talks with God. I am a man of God. I'm, I am a born-again, spirit-filled. Before I'm a member of the United States of America or a citizen of the United States of America, I'm a born-again, spirit-filled, on-fire man of God. And when God calls me to do something, there's not one thing that can stop me. No, not one. No, that sounds like arrogance, Pastor. No, no, I just know who I am. And I'm growing in that. How many of you are growing in that? And if you think that you've arrived, you've already backslidden. 
We're all growing. Got to know who you are. Many people don't, don't know who you are. They don't know who they are. They, they, there's been identity theft. This text, verse 13, is this first mention of this cloak of glory, a great cloak. He muffled his face with a great cloak. It's the first time it's mentioned in all of Scripture, but you see it in other places too. And it's, he wraps his face. He's terrified. When the wind was blowing all the way at the top of Alaska, we wrapped our faces in our coats and pulled up our... I don't know, what are they called? Turtle fur, we used to call them in the 1990s. Yeah, it's like, a, it's, it's like a, an attachment to your shirt. It's like a long tube that you can pull up over your face. And it's a wonderful invention. When the wind was blowing, I pulled it up over my face. And that, that, the burning ice cold of Alaska's summit didn't hurt me. That's the picture of this. He's, he's like, oh my God, God, God. He's, he's hiding. He's hiding himself in his, in his cloak or his mantle. And God, you know, he's exhausted. He just fought off Jezebel and the um, iron chef angel came and gave him some, some food and he went in the 40 days of that. And, and now he's in very possibly the same cave as Moses was in when he received the Ten Commandments from the Lord, very possibly the same cave. And he's, you know, I'm the only one, but he's deceived. How many of you know you're not the only one? Even when you think the only one, you're not, there's more. And the Lord commands him to go out and anoint three people. The next king, the two next kings, Hazaleel, the next king of, of uh, Jehu, the next king of Israel, and the next prophet in his stead. And I've, I've mentioned this before. It's certainly possible that, that because he allowed himself to get so tired, so exhausted, and he ran from the enemy, it's possible that he forfeited the rest of his ministry. That's not taught. I don't see it in any commentaries. But there's times when you can get ahead of God and push so hard and then he tells you to do something and you, I, I don't know, I just don't think it was the will of God for him to run away from Jezebel. Some girl, makeup, run away after he wipes out all of her prophets. And I think as a result of that, it's possible that he's replaced. It's good to pass on the baton. It's good to, to pass on the, the, the power of God to the next generation. I'm very mindful of my mortality. I'm young. I'm going to be around to 120 and I ain't going anywhere. But I'm also mindful that there are those in their 30s, those in their 40s, those in their 20s, and those that are in, in kids, King's Kids right now that will be running this work when we all go on to glory. And if you don't have that in place, you have failed. John Maxwell says, if you don't have a successor, you're not a success. He said, well, who's your successor? I have no idea. We hope, we pray, we're going to raise up as many people and plant churches all over. Anchorage is so ripe for our church to hit that place. He said, well, we're going to wait till we pay this off first, right? No, we're going to obey God. So we'll find out what, what that means. 
Amen. It's, so, it's wonderful when you get it. You want to get all your ducks in a row and just go and all your ships come in. Some of you are waiting for your ship to come in. It sank. You just need to obey God and then the ships come in. Can, can I get a better amen? amen. And so he's, he anoints these three people and, and, he, and he finds out that he's, he's done. I mean, when somebody says, can you imagine? Uh, the Lord comes to you and says, Pastor Gill, go anoint so-and-so in your place. You're finished. He's, he's received his retirement note from the Lord. You're done. I don't know. Maybe he was like, thank God. I'm tired of these people for God's sake. I mean, I don't know what he was thinking. But he's, he receives his, his, his papers. And what he does in this releasing this, this adereth, this stole, this, this great cloak, the great cloak that he wraps his face in, he uses that as a means of anointing the person who's in his stead, the person who's going to take, take over. You say, well, what, what's so significant about that? Well, there's a lot of things significant about it. What's so important about this, this, this great cloak, this cloak of glory? What is so important about it? It's a picture of identity. It's a picture of calling. It's a picture of purpose. It was most likely an animal skin, as I've taught you. Uh, I've taught on this a long time ago, 2016, I think. And it, it's, uh, it's hard to say what it's made of, but you can look throughout Scripture, Zechariah, different places, that it was, it was animal skin. It was something that was put upon a prophet to indicate that he was a prophet. You had, how many of you know the blind Bartimaeus? He, I don't know why they call him blind Bartimaeus because he ended up being seen Bartimaeus, but he had a garment. He had a beggar's garment that he left when Jesus called him. When he left his garment, he left an identity. He left, when he left his garment, he said, oh, I'm, I'm gonna receive my sight. And he didn't go back to get his beggar's garment. It was kind of like a permit for, for panhandling. How many you know what panhandling is? It's begging. They would give them garments. This is culture in the day. And so this, it's fascinating that Elijah described here, in, in Elijah is described in 2 Kings chapter 1, 7, and 8. Turn there with me. I'm going to read from the New International Version. The king asked him, what kind of man was it who came to meet you and told you this? So he's inquiring, what kind of guy gave you this word? And here's what, here's what the servant said. They replied, he had a garment of hair and a leather belt around his waist. And the king says, ah, oh, it's Elijah. Well, how did he know? It was the garment of hair. It was the coat of glory. It was the mantle that he wore. It was the, like a, like a lawyer might wear a suit and tie, a prophet would wear this coat of glory, this mantle, this stole, this adereth. Well, what, what's, the, what's the big hairy deal about that? <laughs> I was going to call the message, what's the big fat hairy deal? But I decided, no, it doesn't really fit. And I was searching too much for a cute message title. In Zechariah 13, chapter, chapter 13, verse 4, on that day, every prophet will be ashamed of their prophetic vision. They will not put on a prophet's garment of hair. So it's just an indication that prophets wore these 
these garments of hair. Aren't you glad that they don't wear them now? Just have prophet Bruno on the front row with his... There's something about bald people having prophetic giftings. I don't want to make a doctrine out of it, but you know, and I'm just, I'm serious. You remember they said, they said, go on up, you bald head, when they were mouthing off. There were 50 youth, Daniel, 50 of them that made fun of the bald guy who was a prophet. And then a she-bear, big old grizz, came out of the, mauled them all. It's Old Testament. But Ananias and Sapphira died in the New Testament for lying, so I guess it could happen today. You want to make sure that you don't undermine anybody. Amen. Amen. According to Jewish tradition, this is fascinating, the mantle of Elijah was placed in a small chamber in a golden altar. I think this is from Nahmenides, a rabbinic uh, historian and scholar, that the mantle of Elijah, the hairy mantle, the prophet's mantle, was put in this golden oil, uh, golden altar, pardon me, in the temple. And hundreds of years later, Zechariah removed the garment and kept it for the ministry of his son, John the Baptist. That's fascinating. Well, we can't prove it, but it is interesting. John the Baptist in, John, in Mark 1 and 6, John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, not unlike the prophet Elijah. So what's God saying to us? Very simply, God's bringing us into this new season, a new mantle. He's, he's going to give you a new empowerment because this, he's not giving you a new coat. We're not, we're not having these replicated and then we're going to sell them at our merch table outside and everybody can get a brand new mantle. I got my new mantle. Do you get yours? And it says Kings on it. No, it's a thing of the spirit. I'm all for merch. I love merch. Praise the Lord. It's a thing in the spirit. It represents something other than what it actually is. And so for the prophet, it represented his calling. It represented his identity with the Lord. It represented his relationship. You need to have a relationship with Jesus. When you're a Christian, you become joint heirs with Christ. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, all things become new. That scripture for me was one of the most revelatory scriptures because I, that my past was sorted at best. And I want, not only wanted to forget it, I didn't want to be identified with any aspect of it really, except the good parts, which seemed to be far and few between. So when I realized, oh my gosh, I can get rid of my old life and get a new one. I thought, uh, yeah, sign me up. I want to be a part of that. Yes. Leave the past behind. Some of you, some of you don't, some of you were plagued. Some of you were tormented in your mind, tormented about your past and all the things that you've done and how you abandoned them and how you stole and how maybe you killed and how you took and how Satan used you and how you groveled around and all the different things that you did that were wrong and bad and evil. You stole, you cheated, you lied, you committed adultery, you did the things that broke God's law, broke God's heart, and caused you to end up in a world of pain. 
But God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever would believe on him, whosoever means anybody. If anybody would believe on him, now to believe, it's not like James. In the book of James it says, demons believe in God and tremble. Some people say they're believers, but not, 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 not the way biblical believing. Biblical believing is knowing that Jesus died on the cross, knowing that he died in your place, knowing deep down in your heart that you deserve death. And then in that moment, making a switch, making a change, making an exchange, he became a propitiation for our sin. He became sin for me, it says in Galatians, so that I might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, book of Romans. So when I think about it, I think about where I've been and what I've done. And listen, listen my, I'm talking about my testimony. Some of you have never really done anything crazy like that, but you're still separated from God because of sin. So you measure not in the way that God measures. Jeffrey Domler and Mother Teresa are about this far apart as far as holiness goes. He said, Jeffrey Hugh, don't look it up. Wickedness. You know, we have this thing, oh, well, I wasn't that bad. Oh, yes, you were. <laughs> By definition of holiness, the, the, the gulf of holiness and where we are, no matter how righteous, no matter, Romans talks about that. You, no matter how righteous or how holy and how pure you live, you're still separated. It's in your blood, thanks to Adam. Now, I'm a good person. Not good enough, honey. So no, I, I've never really done anything wrong. But by the fact that you're breathing, you've done something wrong. It's in your blood. We're going to talk about this. Sin is in mankind. You don't have to teach a baby to steal and not to share. I mean, that might be one of their first words. Mine. Mine. And they hold on to stuff and you try to pull it away like... No, we, we need to identify with who we are as new creatures in Christ. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 3. 1 Peter 2, New Testament. 1 Peter chapter 2. I'm going to go to the NIV now, New International Version, verse 3. a great scripture. It's not the one I'm looking for. I hate typos, but be that as it may. Verse 2 of 1 Peter 2. Like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you've tasted that the Lord is good. You see, once you come to Jesus, you're like a newborn baby. Your identity's got to be in him. If God's going to move us in, and he has, we're into a new season, we're in a new building, we're in a new, a new time with God, there's a new mantle and a new season. How are you going to walk into that new thing? You're going to have to renew your mind. You're going to have to be born again. First of all, you must receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's number one. Number two, you've got to grow up. Come on, somebody say grow up. And this, this, this adoreth, this... This hairy mantle, this cloak of glory is a picture of the operation of the Holy Spirit through you. 
That is the second thing you see. Identity in God. Are we all good on notes? You're doing very well on your notes, Pastor Gill. Look at that. The mantle's a picture of the Holy Spirit's operation in us. I'm going to give you an A right there. That's amazing. Of course, really, the test is your life. I'm going to get an A. You're going to be tested this week. When somebody accuses you of something that you're not, you'll be able to just smile because you know who you are. This coat of glory is a picture of the Holy Spirit's operation in us. Go to Romans chapter 8. Verse 11 says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living in you. I'm going to read this again, and I want you to just let this go deep down into the city of your soul, because if you'll meditate, listen, the New Agers stole meditation. Meditation is originally from God. You think, think the word, meditate on the word, chew it, uh, the, the, uh, Rabbis were known for what's called davening. And davening coming from David is that they would get a scripture and just go over and over and over and they would end up rocking as well. Going over and over and over and over and over and over. And I would encourage you to go over and over with this scripture. Listen to it again. Listen to it one more time. The spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. We could just stop right there and meditate on the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God raised, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in me. Come on, say it. And the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, if you're able to put the scripture, it would be very helpful. With this massive screen, if you could help us. And the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in you, lives in me. Say it again. And the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from the dead, lives in me. Think about it another way. The Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. He's no longer dead because the Holy Spirit came and woke him up from the dead. That spirit lives in me. See, some of you are so focused on the other kind of spirit. Oh, I can't make it. I can't do it. I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? What do you mean, what are you going to do? You're going to walk in resurrection power. You've got to change the way that you think. You've got to change the way that you think. Come on, and the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in Turn to the person on the right and say, and the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead. Go ahead and say, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Tell them. Turn to the other person and say, hey, and the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you. Leave it up. Who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Why do you have life in your body? Why? Because the spirit of God lives on the inside. I don't feel like the spirit of God. That's your problem. It has nothing to do with how you feel. It has everything to do with truth. And the truth is, God in you is bigger than any problem. God in you is bigger than any difficulty. God in you. God in you 
give yes you can yes you can mm. I've got a river of life flowing out of me makes the lame to walk and the blind to see opens prison doors sets a cap lives free I got a river of life flowing out of me the devil turns and runs when I walk in the door <laughs> come on lift your hands to heaven some of you have lost your identity Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed and the heavens were shut up for three and a half years. At the word of the Lord, he prayed again and the heavens were open. You have the Holy Spirit dwelling on the inside of you. There has been a radical attack upon your faith. And the Lord is touching you tonight. And I see him shifting things even at the cellular level. You are a man of faith called out of darkness into his marvelous light. Radical, a radical testimony of the resurrection and the power of the Lord. I took you out of darkness and I placed you on level ground. The enemy has tried to take away your life. And I decree and declare over you tonight that he cannot, he's not able. But because there's been such a barrage and even those who would want to come into agreement with it, there has been a, a waffling in the wind of the spirit. You've been going through like a doldrums and the Lord says tonight, it's over. Whoa. Tonight, it's over. Tonight, it's over. Tonight, it's over. It's a brand new day. Lift your hands, Joe. Lift your hands. Fire. Fire. I've called you. Called you to preach. In the coming year or two, as the Lord leads you, guides you, I'm going to bring you to Israel. And you're going to have a radical transformation there. There's more there. God is healing you, touching you. All those lies, every one of them on a cellular level, healed and whole. But I've got something for you to do, otherwise you'd be dead. And I'm in the one that's in control of your life, says the Lord, and I'm going to raise you up. My God, I was, I had to, I was laying hands on him. Man, I just felt like this intense fire. Wow. <laughs> you don't have to feel it, but it's nice. Amen, it's okay. What are we talking about? We're talking about the Holy Ghost. Online, in Point Hope, the power of God's falling in Point Hope. We have a watch party happening there. There's some structural things that 
hinder us from doing all that we want to because we're going to honor. Leave it on that camera right there because we're going to honor. But God is going to make a way. God's going to make a way. He didn't connect our hearts and do what he did like he's done it to just leave us to waffle around. I'm so glad you're on. We love you. We love you with a love from the Lord. Everyone in Point Hope, lift your hands to heaven right now. Lift your hands to heaven. Five, four, three, two. Fire right now. Receive a touch. Receive a healing. I got a river of life flowing out of me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. I got a river of life flowing out of me. There's nothing on Netflix for sure that you can't watch later. Disney Channel should already be removed. I'm going to preach very aggressively on Sunday. So... Uh, what do you mean by that? Well, the whole next scripture is about male and female, and so I feel led to shank some things in the Spirit. And I'm going to be filled with grace. You pray for me. I've got study to do, but you keep me in prayer. I'm, I've, I've learned this, that across America and, and across our nation, People want to hear the truth. And uh, I I was so inspired by, who was that podcaster guy? What was his name? Matt Walsh. Walsh? Matt Walsh. He was talking about how angry he was that they are taking children and mutilating them. And how they're coming for his kids. And somebody said, you know, you need to be nicer. You know, I wasn't really nice before I got saved. And I'm... One of the things that repelled me against, one of the things that re- repulsed me from Christianity, you know what it was? So that I felt like in my mind somehow I saw Christians as sweet people, very nice people that got run over and they were spineless and had no guts. That's how I saw it. So I, I know that that's not the case. God wired me up, has wired you up, has wired Alaskans up to be full of grit, full of fight. And you know something, if there was ever a time that we need to stand and fight with the love of God, with the love of God. Oh, that, that Asbury message was so powerful the last 90 seconds. Did anybody hear it? He said, seniors, don't you leave the school until you've been touched by the love of God so you can touch others with the love of God. Because if you don't, if you don't get the love of God here, how can we touch the world without the love of God? And the love of God, by the way, crucified Jesus. So there's a time to stand. If there was ever a time to stand now, it's now. 
and all that nonsense in California and all of that. Listen, I'm not prejudiced at all, at all. But I have principles, we have principles that we will not back off of. We cannot, we cannot, because we'll stand before the court of more than someone's public opinion and the amount of likers you have. I don't care how many likers I have. What I care is that we've moved forward into the identity of God and we carry a new mantle to set the captives free. That's what it's all about. God has called us to make a difference. If you believe that, you say, that's me, Pastor. I'm putting on the new hairy coat. Come on, that's me, Pastor. I'm a walk in a new mantle. Come on, lift your hands all across this place. Hey, Holy Spirit, right now. Right now. Release your power. The cloak is a representation of our purpose, the final point. Our purpose is to reach the lost and to make disciples. That's it. Simply put. Expressed in the 12, 120, sure. Plant more churches. Leaders, 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 leaders. How come you always talking about leaders? Because if you can raise up somebody that can have an impact, then you reach more people. I, I, I know I can, I can take any number one of our leaders. I'll pick on Pastor Gill since he's right in front of me. I can take Pastor Gill and drop him off any sewer, anywhere, anywhere in the world, any third world country, anywhere. You could be dropped off anywhere. You and your wife could be dropped off anywhere. You leave your Louis back home be dropped off anywhere and God would use you Amen. to bring revival. Why is that? Because it's in you. Amen. You're new. You're not intimidated. You're full of fire. You're pioneers. That's what, that's what God wants to do in his own unique way through every single person. The days of the guy, you know, we're going to honor men of God. You're very honoring to me and my wife, but it's, it's a saints movement. Please understand that it's the people of God getting a hold of their God-given, blood-bought right, and moving forward to the love of God and the power of God, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, and changing our homes, changing our families, changing our cousins, helping them, helping people get free, moving on house to house, one by one by one by one, reaching people at work, reaching people in Fred Myers, reaching people through Facebook, reaching people in the Ukraine, reaching people in China, reaching people in every nation, every tribe, every tongue, unashamed, unabashed, unafraid, full of the fire, not shrinking back because the Spirit of God lives on the inside of me. That's who we are. That's the purpose for why we're still here. That's the purpose of this brand new facility, which will be paid off in Jesus' name. Come on, put your hands together for God. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com. And may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.